this is Chase Masterson from Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Big Finish Doctor Who and Vienna. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex. Traveling the Vortex. Join the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and then episode number 164, but not at Galley. I'm Keith. And I'm Glenn. And I'm also not at Galley. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, we're holding on the fort uh, while Sean is... We're making Sean work double time. I don't know about you, the con. but it's been really hard for me. But partly because I, <laughs> I haven't gone, because I went and it, didn't get to go this year. So It helps that I haven't been at my computer a lot this weekend, oh, so yeah. that helps a lot. See, I, I, I looked in a lot on Friday while I was at work. It was kind of a slow night for me for, for the 10 because of yeah. sports. But um, yesterday I kind of did. And then, I, of course, listening to had a Sean, little bit of... Had Sean had uh, good wireless access or cell data and he tweeted a lot, I would probably be more true. aware because I get that's those true. sent directly to my phone. I find it interesting, I listened though, to the first update, though, and that was a lot of fun. He talked about how they, they hammered down where they think that the AT&T tower... Is what's on top of the. Yeah. But do you remember me last year saying that I didn't have any problems yeah, when with you were my AT&T. cell service? I was AT and T. Yeah, I thought we so established totally that makes, last year. It totally makes sense that that's an AT and T tower up there. But yeah, I didn't have any problem. I never have a problem with my service in general because I'm AT and T. Yeah. So I just uh, assume that's. I think AT and T is pretty good coverage, despite what uh, Verizon says. Uh, well. They'll all say what they want you to That's true. hear to be switch sides. Anyway, so yeah, it's been hard being home this time, but I, I vowed, in fact, I told Holly today, I said, I'm going back next year. So <laughs> I'm not missing out on that again. That was it, It's 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 harder now that I've been and didn't get to go this uh, time. So. Yeah. Anyway. How was your week? It was good. Um, nothing too exciting. Um, getting the Olympics over and out of the way. Well, half halfway over there. Out of the way, yeah. <laughs> One more week of that at work. Um, Caitlin's had practice all week for her play. Kids played basketball. It's Valentine's Day on yeah, Friday. Friday. Um, just some chocolate flowers and card for my wife. Then we went to dinner last night. Oh, where'd you guys go? Went to uh, uh, Texas Roadhouse. That's oh. kind of our favorite restaurant. So. Nice. <clears throat> Couples restaurant. Everyone one is Casa. But, uh, uh. Yeah. But it wasn't so bad last night because I figured well, Friday was we like didn't go out crazy thinking busy. that it would still be busy. Yeah, I figured Friday night was crazy busy, so Saturday wasn't so bad. Hmm. Uh, went to the garden show today. That was the garden show. It was yeah, garden show. <laughs> Bunch of stuff we'd like to have for our yard, but can't afford. A lot of it's out of our price oh, range. Yeah. We look at the hot tubs and the <laughs> landscaping and all that. And that. The nice thing is, I go there and I kind of get some ideas of, oh, like of small projects some, yeah. to do. So. Yeah, um, but you know, because there's a lot of vendors and guys trying to grab you and sell you stuff. Oh, you just yeah. kind of have a jockey around. <laughs> it was nice, so I don't. I I'm not sure I'd go if I didn't have free tickets. But we got free tickets. Oh to work, yeah, so. I don't think I've ever been other than when I was covering it. Ah, yeah. So, well, you guys don't really have a. Pl- we don't have a garden. Yeah, so. living in an apartment, it's it's quite different. So, and even then, when I get a house, I'm tempted to just gravel it all. So I don't have to mow or you do don't have to mow that. <laughs> I hate doing yard work. Uh, I, I do it. too. But I'll probably end up. I don't know that I could do gravel. I, I moved I to Las Vegas. So you almost have to. There, In fact, yeah. there's a lot of y- rock yards out there. No grass. I'd be okay with that. Hmm? No grass. I'd be okay yeah. with that. You just spray for weeds every once in a while. Yeah. You're good to go. 
That's pretty much it. Did you do anything? Uh, well, we watched a lot of movies this weekend. Um, watched Rush, the Ron Howard, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Formula yes. One that racing is, movie. Yeah. Okay, I remember, I remember seeing it. It was pretty was good. Ron Howard directed he, that? He directed that Oh, one. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was really impressed by it. I wasn't, I was kind of on the fence about watching it, but so I really wanted to, and it was really good. He did a really well, good job with it. And Chris Hemsworth, was Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. <laughs> I like him, but I have never been wowed by his acting. Yeah. He's still just kind of Thor to Thor. me. <laughs> uh, and then we also watched About Time. The Richard Curtis Dom, uh, directed Dom Hall Gleason and Rachel McAdams and Bill Nighy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The one Bill where Nye, they have like where the, he can, where the, the gift where, the where they can, can travel back it, in time. It doesn't always matter what he does. Yes, yeah. it was really good. I really liked that one. Uh, yeah, I saw the previews for that. I really want to see it that. It was really charming. It it didn't go the direction I thought it would. It didn't do the tropes I thought it would. And it touched on some of them, but I assumed... For some watching the trailer, most of the most of the movie was him getting Rachel McAdams and making her fall in love with him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Really, that's a small section of the film. It does a really good job of encompassing an entire life, and more than just it's more than just a love movie. It's about family. Uh-huh. So, and that and there were a lot of oh hey look it's that guy, including uh, Uncle Dursley, uh, okay. who is no longer with us now, uh-huh. sharing the stage with Richard E. Grant. Oh. <laughs> Really? Yeah. And then his mom is uh, Adelaide Brooke. Okay. And then there were a couple other people, I think. Oh. But it was like, yeah, yeah, that guy in the sound. It was a British actor's best. It was a British, pretty much. (laughs) The soundtrack was phenomenal. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about the film. Oh, good. And then today we went and saw the Lego movie. How was that? It was pretty good. Really? Because, I mean, it's been getting great reviews. I think it's (laughs) getting higher reviews than it deserves. Really? Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, the only, the best thing I can compare it to, is Wreck It Ralph. Okay. Because it's kind of that same idea of Legos and they're alive and they're doing things, just like yeah. video games are alive and they're doing things. Okay. And they, they've sectioned off the worlds, so you have to go through certain, like portals to get to okay. the different worlds. All it's right. all, and that's kind of the plot. To well, this. that makes sense. The villain is trying to set everything in place so nobody can build. With imagination. Ah. Okay. So it has kind of a Wreck-It Ralph feel, but it doesn't quite hit you there with the heart. Oh. It's got a lot of great funny bits. Batman's pretty funny. There's a nice little Star Wars bit. <laughs> Which just dawned on me tonight that Will Arnett is Yes, is it's Batman. got a great cast. Even Will Ferrell does a good job, even though I could tell it was him. Yeah. Morgan Freeman? Morgan Freeman's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of funny stuff to it. The animation is superb. It looks like st- they s- did stop motion with Legos, but it was all CGI. Uh-huh. Uh, th- it's totally fitting. There's a scene where there's a ghost, and there's a little string around the ghost so it can float. <laughs> <laughs> they get shot with stuff, and it's um, and like they get tied up, and they're rubber bands. That's <laughs> really nice attention to detail. It's yeah. just. The story just didn't quite hit me like I hoped it oh, would. It was a really cute. It was a really cute film. There's not one I would probably go back and watch a lot, but I'm glad I did see it yeah. at least. Well, good. Yeah, my family wants to see it, so we'll probably. See Your kids weeks. will probably love it. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah, and they're both into the Lego games. Yeah, so. and and there's a game based off the movie. Yeah, I saw that. that. Yeah, 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that the main guy is uh, Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't realize that until yeah. after. And Alison Brie does a voice. Yeah. I knew that too. They're, yeah. I only knew that because the, I've the, recently the, seen the trailer a couple the, um, times where they show. Mount of cast in this is yeah. impressive. Well, good. Yeah, that was really cute. Uh, as for Valentine's Day, uh, we stayed home and I cooked dinner. Rosemary strip steak, rosemary and garlic strip steak, twice baked potatoes and green beans. That sounds good. It would turn out pretty good. Cool. All right. I don't think I did anything else. Read a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I I finished my book uh, midweek, so oh, yeah, I, I finished mine Saturday. <laughs> I know uh, Friday night when we were talking about uh, getting on, oh, on Google Hangouts. The, yeah. The, uh, the group, the and non the non galley goers. <laughs> At uh, that point, you were concerned. <laughs> yeah, I still had like sixty some pages oh, at Friday night. Wow! Luckily, that's, that's a that's a whole ebook of these short ebook shorts. We're doing, <laughs> yeah, yeah so. that's true. <clears throat> How long was yours? Um, Do you know? No, and I can't because I've got the ebook file. It doesn't always give you an idea. Uh, it doesn't give you a page number. Uh, I guess I can just open it this way. Two hundred and fifty, according to the okay. As I say, it does break up. It does break so it down not, by pages differently. So it's okay. It's not my mind. This book is a little bit longer than most of the new range books are. <laughs> it doesn't look that thick, but it looks like maybe it's got smaller type. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, smaller a little bit. Type. It's it's a little bigger in size too than a it typical looks about the size of the. Um, uh, what was that? The last one I read with. Uh, the Eighth Doctor and Cricket, not Cricket World. Uh. The new paperbacks are about the same dimensions and the old hardbacks. Oh yeah, yeah. But they're just oh, thinner. Is, that one's definitely thicker. Uh, and then comparison. compared to Trading Futures, yeah. it's way thicker. Oh yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it through it, and I'm yeah. glad you chose that one with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, should we? Uh, Talk about some news going on. A little bit of somber news. Yeah. Uh, veteran director Christopher Berry died at the age of 88. Uh, it was reported on Monday. Uh, he was responsible for some of the most admired stories from the classic Doctor Who and was the longest serving director, responsible for 43 episodes. Wow. From 63 to 79. And one of the most notable was obviously the Daleks. The Daleks. He directed that one. Um, the Rescue also. Uh, Power of the Daleks, which unfortunately we don't have. Uh, one we've recently watched, The Demons. Oh, I did not know he directed The Demons. Uh, the Mutants, the last one he directed. Actually, I may have known that. We may have discussed that, we but I don't have. remember that. Didn't remember that. Uh, his final story was Creature from the Pit. Wait, I did know he. W- I did know he directed that because he is in the documentary that I watched. Uh, oh, the Return of the End. Yeah, Return to Demons End. Yeah. That's right. Okay, now I can totally put a picture to the face, too. Oh, unfortunately, he... Uh, right. Face to the... Man. Name. Name. There you go. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he passed away last Friday, the 7th. He was rather old, then. After falling down an, an escalator at oh, a shopping center. No. Yeah. It was uh, earlier in that day, and then he was taken to the hospital where he suddenly stopped breathing. Oh. So it sounds like it was kind of an accident. That's too bad. So not natural causes. Yes, unfortunately. Accidental. That's Although unfortunate. falling down an escalator at eighty eight yeah. is kind of natural yeah. causes well, to extent. You were naturally old, so yes. you might have had a problem. A little bit more fragile. That's true. 
That's true. Well, thoughts, prayers, meditations go out to his family. Yeah. Uh, some a bit more exciting news. BB, uh, Big Finish have announced a new set of adventures to star Tom Baker and Louise Jameson. Pairing them alongside Philip Hinchcliffe <laughs> as a producer. So Hinchcliffe wrote a bunch of more stories. Uh, ten more stories, actually. Uh, Philip Hinchcliffe and Mark Platt uh, did these. Consists of two epic full cast stories filled with all the drama and chills that marked Hinchcliffe's era of the show. That's that just it's, blows my mind. <laughs> I think of when people said they got Tom Baker back for audios. This was the next logical step, yeah. but probably the biggest pipe dream. Yeah, well, I suppose that's true. I thought, yeah, we're to, getting to more come Tom to Baker, fruition. and then we're getting more Philip Hinchcliffe yeah, to write is, for it. Perfect. Uh, the first one is a six-part adventure and finds the Doctor and Leela returning to Victorian London in the year 1860. <clears throat> um, and then the second four-part adventure is called Devil's Armada. In the 16th century, also. So, we'll hopefully get those on the schedule eventually. Yeah, well, I'm excited to listen to those. That's quite a formula there. Yeah. And then, finally, in news, some legacy news. Because we can't lay down legacy. (laughs) Because we can't stop talking about it. Well, you know, when they keep adding characters like the Third Doctor, how can you stop talking about it? That is pretty awesome. And thanks to Brittany for... uh, Tipping a bunch of us off on the code how to get that, how to get him. Yes, and if you miss that code, he is available in season six church paradox level. And there's also a sale where you get a bunch of adipose. You can get a bunch you of adipose. An adipose of each color. Did yeah. you see Brittany posted a screenshot <laughs> of her of- adipose team <laughs> and the tenth doctor? Yeah, and all adipose. <laughs> and that's like if you buy six time crystals, you get access. You get there's a sale. You get into the uh, fan area, and I think they might be part of that sale. Uh, I just know it was 15 crystals you could get. Oh, that's what yeah, it was. 15, 15 crystals, and you, you can get the adipose. Yeah, all that's the how it is. Because there was, I guess there's two different sales going right, on. Right. That's it for news. Hopefully, um, Sean got to bend the ear of the Doctor well, Who uh, Legacy team. Little Birdie told me that he did, so we'll uh, hopefully hear some more from him. So. Excellent. All right, well, let's move on to feedback then. First up. Neither one of us did a song. No, so we right. didn't. <laughs> we figured if Sean didn't, doesn't do them anymore, we don't have to. <laughs> Despite uh, some tweet requests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's see. First up is Alex. He writes, of highly trained squirrels and apologetic monsters. <laughs> hey, guys, Alex here, just writing a quick review of the Resurrection Casket. Though it's been a while since I last since I read it last, I can remember it well enough to say that it's one of my favorite Tenth Doctor novels. It's fast, funny, and has a lot of very interesting ideas. Chief amongst those is Starfall, though I'm sure this isn't the first sci-fi novel to give us a world where technology is all but useless. Dropping the TARDIS in such a world and letting the Doctor and Rose struggle to find a way out made for an intriguing start to the story. Although the Doctor usually gets separated from his ship at some point, very few stories cut him off from the TARDIS so quickly and completely. And that gives a, the novel a, cons, a constant air of suspense, even in some of the quieter scenes. Also, I very much liked the idea of the casket itself and how that was handled. 
I won't say too much to avoid spoiling anybody who hasn't read the novel. In fitting with the book's particular theme, the casket very much had the sense of a pirate legend, distorted and exaggerated beyond recognition. There were several other pirate-esque nudges and winks throughout all of which were a lot of fun and made all the more entertaining thanks to the story's steampunk furnishings. I particularly enjoyed Kevin, the story's embodiment of the black spot trope and highly amusing character. How often does the bloodthirsty monster pause to say, Look, Look, I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry about this. (laughs) No, I really am. I mean it. But you know how it is. It's a very tenth Doctor monster, considering how much he apologizes. It's actually, and I'll get more into this, but it's a very Douglas Adams monster. Oh, yeah, I can see that too. I just kept thinking of that. Before tearing apart his victims. Overall, this was an adventure that really sucked me in, with an excellently written Dr. Rose fighting off an array of baddies and difficult situations through a number of unexpected twists and turns. It's a steampunk pirate thrill ride with just a hint of Treasure Island. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> that's Alex's dun, dun, dun. Yes. I'm afraid my that's my only review this week. I saw Harvest Time on the bookshelf a few weeks ago. But it was right next to the second Doctor novel called The Wheel of Ice. I ended up flipping a coin and decided which one to buy. The Wheel of Ice won, so I haven't had a chance to read Keith's novel yet. Sorry, Keith. I did try to pick up a copy of Harvest Time, but the woman behind the counter gave me a funny look and then pointed me to a stealth shack with books on the tractor maintenance. Not sure why. <laughs> Sean, Mel, I hope you're having a good time at Galley, though of course you probably won't listen to this until after you come back from Galley, wibbly wobbly. I'm really looking forward to Listening to some of your side trips, I'm curious to hear what Sean has to say in his review of Spiral Scratch. If and when we get that. I haven't read the novel myself, but I've heard that it retcons the Six Doctors regeneration scene into something a little more impressive than a bump on the head. I'm completely in favor of that. Glenn, Keith, I hope you guys are having a good week, and I can't wait for this week's episode. Keep up the good work, and happy traveling. Alex. Very good. Alex did send in a a P.S. He said... Forgot to mention in my last email that I really love traveling the Vortex ribbons for this year's galley. This year's galley. There's only one podcast cool enough to be endorsed by the poor, misunderstood nightmare from the abyss. Love it. <laughs> That's right. Podcast so awesome, the Mercas are mascots. <laughs> That's right. It just occurred to me I'm going to get stuck reading. Not stuck. That sounded <laughs> terrible, Chrissy. I'm going to end up reading Chrissy's email again. He this meant week. stuck. I did he meant not, stuck. I did not mean stuck. <laughs> but can, it's we, funny we that she mentioned up. it last week. You can change it up real quick. That's nah, all right. I'll read it. I mean, this is how we. This is how we went. I enjoy reading Chrissy's uh, <laughs> uh, feedbacks, no matter how long they are. So <clears throat> it's not as not, long as some. This one's not very long. So Which all right, Chrissy writes. Hashtag not at Galley One. We all feel that same. <laughs> Dear Vortex Boys, minus one. One good thing about Sean being gone as you guys doing book reviews is that this is a chance for me to get caught up on my Goodreads challenge. If you don't know what that is, let me explain. Every year, Goodreads.com lets people set a yearly goal for themselves to read a certain number of books. Last year, my goal was to read 100 books in 2013. I hit that goal by October. This year, I decided to make it a little more challenging for myself and set my goal to read 150 books in 2014. (laughs) But I had a really crazy, hectic January, and I feel terribly behind, so now I'm scrambling to get caught up. So it's good to have some Doctor Who books on the Vortex schedule because I can read those and they'll count towards my goal. 
That being said, here are my reviews. Chrissy, I'm curious, did you, how many books did you read in 2013? Did you stop counting after 100? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Because if she hit 100 by October, surely she read more after I, that. I, I, so. At the speed of that, I would think she could have gotten 50 in. Maybe, maybe. Well, I don't know. That's that is a half a year to get to 50. I mean, if you, if you split the year up. Yeah, that'd be but it'd be a, per year. a little less than that because she got to 100 in October. So I don't know. She might have been able to get another at least 25 more. But yeah. Well, we'll see how she, she does got this year. Yeah, I, bet she, I bet she let can us make know. 150 this year. Let us know if you stopped counting at 100. <laughs> the Resurrection Casket. With these new series adventure novels, it's kind of been a hit and miss in, in regards to quality. But I have to say that I really enjoyed this one. It's a fun, fluffy little Ten Rose adventure with space pirates and robots and a lot of interesting characters. Full disclosure, I found the audiobook version of the, uh, with David Tennant narrating, which I think may be coloring my perception of the story because he did a wonderful job reading the story. It was almost like having a Tenth Doctor Big Finish story. Almost, but not quite. But even so, I love that, that the mystery was so well-paced that there were all these little questions and hints and twists leading up to the big reveal twist at the end. I won't spoil the big reveal. I let Glenn do that since it's the book he read. <laughs> all in all, an enthusiastic thumbs up for me. I mean, come on. The evil shadow creature is named Kevin. What more do you need? <laughs> Harvest Time. This, one, this is one that I read when it came out last year. When I first found a copy at the library, I read the summary on the back to find out which doctor it was supposed to be, since there's not a picture of any particular one on the front. Even though the summary doesn't give a number, a name or number to indicate which one, I could tell from the descriptions of Unit and the Master that it was going to be the third doctor. This time I was just... This time, I just kind of flipped through the book just to refresh my memory on what happens in it, and it's a pretty straightforward, earthbound Third Doctor story. There's an alien threatening some Earth industry. Unit gets called in to investigate the strange goings-on, and the Doctor and Master team up to snipe at each other. Joe is sweet and wonderful and fantastic as ever. I did appreciate the callbacks to Jamie when the character of Eddie McCrimmon, does it ever explicitly say that she's a descendant of Jamie I couldn't find any reference to that in the book. The only reference is when she, the doctor first meets her, he says, "Oh, I knew him at Crimin once." That's it. <laughs> it's pretty obvious that we're going. Or pretty obvious what you're going to get with this one, but that's not necessarily a, big, a bad thing, especially if you're a fan of the Third Doctor era. It's just a little predictable. That's all. I haven't read Spiral Scratch, but I think. Oh, that's Sean. I'm sorry. I haven't read Spiral <laughs> Scratch. I, I just can't get my brain wrapped around that one. I haven't read Spiral Scratch. But I think that's going. Oh, that'll go on my list at some point. I'd like to read more of those classic Doctor Who novels. Classic Doctor novels. I've enjoyed most of the ones I've read, and I need to find more. And the BBC needs to republish some of those older ones because I would totally buy brand new copies of them. Well, I'm off to listen to more Galley podcasts and wish that I was there. Maybe next year, <laughs> Chrissy. Me too. Maybe next year. All right. Well, thank you, Chrissy. Thanks for those reviews and. Um, our last bit of feedback comes from Holly. She writes, book review time again. Hey guys, great last podcast. Harvest of Time. A good third Doctor unit in the Master story. The whole thing with the Master being written out of time because of the sealed and the Master himself wanting to get out of his prison was really good. I really didn't piece together that the Red Queen was actually Edwina until a couple of chapters before the actual reveal when Edwina was telling Joe about the stories that she used to create about a planet and its people. The dialogue in this was really good, 
and I could hear all the actors' voices in my head when reading this. Resurrection Casket. A Ten and Rose story, we get nods to Alice in Wonderland in the first few pages with the impossible things before breakfast. The Doctor's final insister reminds me of that of Radar from MASH. <laughs> we get the reappearance of the Eternal mach- uh, Matches. This time, they seem to be working. I'm wondering why if if why the matches didn't work in the 8th Doctor audio was during his time in the Divergent Universe it was because of him being in the Divergence. I think we even get a nod to Isaac Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics. Sally mentions something about a robot crew being destroyed because they didn't follow the first law. Kevin could be a long-lost relative of Sully Sullivan. <laughs> His tall, long... He's tall, has long claws. The only difference is he's just uh, one hair color and just happens to work with work with dark spots, not doors, and doesn't have a sidekick. Love that he gives McCavity what a name, uh, what for near the end of the book, with the I do's, I do have a name, you know. Didn't see the plot twith, twist with Larissa being the one inside the casket just up until the reveal. The whole thing with the action figures and Jim asking Rose which color of snooker ball she wanted to use first almost had me yelling, any color, just hit the robots already. <laughs> Guess you can also add this to the, you know, when you've seen a lot of, quite a lot of classic who when you start replacing character names. I had to stop myself numerous times with glint. I forgot how many times I read that as gilts. Glitz. <laughs> Glitz. Yeah, sorry. Glitz. We also got a nod to the Christmas invasion when the doctor mentions the hand got cut off and how he had called the replacement his fighting hand. <laughs> I enjoyed the ending, which is to tell you, which to tell you the truth, I didn't see coming. I think that things were tied up nicely. Spiral Scratch. I've read some summaries of this book online, and it sounds like it could be really good. Hopefully, this will be on the way that, or one of the ones on the way. This will be one that they re-release as an e-book later on down the road. Looking forward to hearing your reviews of these stories, Holly from Wisconsin. I find it appropriate that uh, nobody got the spiral scratch <laughs> because we probably aren't going to have it this week because we haven't, haven't gotten anything from, from Sean yet. yet so. So, uh, he either didn't get it finished or he's having, well, we know he's struggling with connectivity issues and Wi-Fi and whatnot at uh, Galley, which is usual every year, but his services seems, seems to be suffering even yeah. worse this year. So, uh, hence the reason why the couple of the updates were backwards. <laughs> anyway, so well, thank you guys very much. And uh, well, I yeah. guess without further ado, let's get into the review of these novels. I'll let you go first this time. I went first last time. In fact, okay. I think I went first the last two times. Well, I, I, I only, the only reason, <laughs> I the only reason I think of that is because it was Sean and I. But I, 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 yeah, I went first then as well. So. After billions of years of imprisonment, the vicious Sild have broken out of confinement. From a ruined world at the end of time, they make preparations to conquer the past with the ultimate goal of rewriting history. But to achieve their aims, they will need to enslave an intellect greater than their own. On Earth, Unit is called to investigate a mysterious incident on a North Sea drilling platform. The Doctor believes something is afoot. And no sooner has the investigation begun when something even stranger takes hold. The brigadier is starting to forget about Unit's highest-profile prisoner. 
and he's not alone in his amnesia. As the sealed invasion begins, the Doctor faces a terrible, terrible dilemma. To save the universe, he must save his arch-nemesis, the Master. Dun, dun, dun! Oh, we enjoyed it. Well, good. Good, good, good. And Chrissy, I'm sorry, but all I have to do is look up to the top of the back cover from award-winning science fiction writer Alastair Reynolds, a spellbinding new adventure featuring the third Doctor. <laughs> maybe it's that's not on the hardback version. Maybe I don't know. I have a paperback version. Alastair Reynolds captures the era perfectly. Good. More... <clears throat> than I have ever read of any Who book. Now, granted, that is not a big list, but so far, this is the best capturing of what's going of that time period. Uh, I guess we should say, we obviously aren't going to chart these out plot for plot, but there will no. be spoilers. Yeah, there so. will be spoilers. Uh, I'm, I'm going to save some of the big reveals uh, because they're really good. Uh, I, Holly revealed one that I wasn't planning on, but... That's kind of a small plot point, which I did not see coming until they revealed it. I was like, what? What? <laughs> um, but it starts off. Uh, I'm going to skip past the prologue because that kind of hints towards things. Uh, it starts off with the Doctor and Joe going with Mike Yates to a drilling platform. And they're very well... There was uh, a platform had collapsed, and the report over the tra- scanner traffic was part of the uh, sea scooped away, and it was like a perfect circle. And so that's kind of went there. And the company kind of knuckles down on the guy who did the report to make him back off on it because this even higher private-ish government entity has working with the drilling platform to try to increase uh, neutrino transmissions to communicate with sub uh, submarines. And so, of course, who did they employ? The Master. And so he gets there, and then they don't stay very long, and they take off, and then you kind of stick around on the platform a little bit where the Master shows up, and they kind of hint at it at first, that it may or may not be the Master, but like by the end of the third chapter... He gives a great line of, oh, that doctor guy, yes, uh, we went to school together. And then, end of the sixth chapter, he hypnotizes a guy into the, the, the guy who made the report into jumping off of the oil rig. And so it's very, very, very master. Mm-hmm. And so, you can't quite tell where this is set um, in the unit timeline, but the master's in prison, and so these high brass are... So do you suppose that's after Sea Devils? I'm not sure. Or, it's or after. I guess I, I shouldn't nope, say nope. he escaped in Sea it's Devils. A, it's a different prison. It than is sea different. Devils okay, All because right. he's in this like bunker, um, like a nuclear bunker. Is it could be after keeping. the demons, though. It because could he be. was captured yeah. there. We just that, don't know they, where he went. It could have been they took him here and then maybe later put him in the Sea Devil. Ah, okay, okay. So um, the, they don't. The only things they for sure mention are the Autons and axons are the two species that they make a point of mentioning several times. So you kind of know it's after the axons, but you don't know. Um, And there are these... So while 
it's going along and being a well, how's the doctor getting out of prison to go do this? And we got to go look into him, and we're going to go talk to him. And for some reason, the uh, the masters, their unit members are forgetting the master. All the while, there are these little crab things, metal crabs, that have like a vial on their back that is the actual host, the sild. It's like a little tiny uh, seahorse. And so that's the alien creature, and and they latch on to people and take them as hosts. So they have their bodies to do whatever they need. Okay. And so the Sild are trying to get to the Master. And eventually show up in mass droves and units trying to fight them off, and finally there's a monster that it can shoot. <laughs> Unfortunately, the power of the Sild is the fact that there's a large, they come in large quantities and everyone's expendable. So they just send wave after wave and after wave, and that's how they conquer. Um, they, the, the, the doctor thought they were once banished, um, so he's kind of surprised to see them. And the doctor puts together that somehow, for, some, for whatever reason, uh, they're coming through time and trying to get the master. Um, and the reason people are forgetting the master is a time fade. So the do- the master is being unstitched from time everywhere. So the first half of the book is kind of them working it out, and then then the doctor going to rescue the master, and then they eventually get into the TARDIS and take off. But the brig doesn't know that and has to nuke the site. <laughs> oh and so then, <laughs> typical unit. Yeah. <laughs> But so, what's the thing that's so great about the Third Doctor's era a lot of times, and we kind of wish there was more of, the Doctor and Master teaming up? The second half of the book is that. (laughs) While Joe um, goes after Edwina and uh, helps units, and they're split up and they they take off. Um, I don't want to give up, because that's that's the point of the book where it kind of goes and takes a left turn and changes direction. And I don't want to give away too much of what happens there because there are yeah. some great surprises. Yeah. Um, I figured that out early enough, so I, I feel like I can explain this. The Sild are attracted to Earth and the Master because the Master uses the high brass guys that are getting out of prison and this merman project is what it's called that to do the uh, neutrino messaging to send the message throughout all of time to himself to come rescue himself out of prison. <laughs> and so... The typical s- master. Typical master. <laughs> uh, the Sild catch on to that and so they come af- They come, and you don't quite know why until you get off of Earth and they end up going to the far end of time. Um, to what's called the Consolidator. And it's the ship that's there that shouldn't be. Um, and it explores some great backstory that teams the Master and the Doctor up when they were young, back at the Academy. Um, and it has some really cool ideas in it. And, of course, so... What's nice about this is... 
while the doctor, while the master is very much the master and using the humans and getting the transmissions out, he never teams up with the alien. He he, um, he has to team up with the doctor, so we get him teamed up with the doctor and then and the doctor constantly questioning the master's every move and some great stuff there, some great interactions. Um, the master having to trust the doctor explicitly, and the doctor having to trust the master. You see the glint of that old friendship that was once there. Um, and then, the, and then, still not spoiling anything. At the end, the, the master kind of reverts back to form, like you expect him to. Right. And the doctor is able to save the day, but. The master is still kind of done his deed. Um, <laughs> Very typical that scene, that's that season it's, that, it's, that we had. It, yeah, but it does it so well. They yeah. they capture the voices perfectly for everybody. I heard everyone when I was reading it. Uh, the pacing is just like one of those stories. Uh, so if you don't like the Third Doctor's era, you're not going to like this book. But if you enjoy the Third Doctor's era, and I think this also sees what the third Doctor's era was, saw the potential there, and takes that potential and builds on it. It does things that the third the era could never have done. Oh, that's cool. Um, something that There's dis- some really nice references that I can't mention because it spoils things. <laughs> something that kind of discourages me f- from this, though, is I find... I really enjoy that, that era of, of, of the third Doctor where... You know, it's he and Delgado, but it, as, as we referred to a couple of weeks ago, and we, I was even talking about when I said I, I was in the middle of watching *Mind oh, Evil*, yeah. is that it just it, they feel very cookie cutter and formulaic, and just by the the description of this, this sounds like it. But it sounds like there's more there there's, to engage there, you. There's a lot more there to engage you. I don't think it's as cookie cutter because, from what I remember of what I've seen, I, granted, I haven't seen *Mind of Evil* yet. Um, the teaming up with the Doctor is usually like last episode and that's it. Where this would be... And out of desperation. <laughs> yeah. And this would more be episode three, or end of episode three would be the cliffhanger where they go off together. And oh. so you'd have... like If this were a six-part story, three parts of it would be the Doctor and the Master teaming off and going yeah. and doing this thing. Okay. Which, that's something that I was always like, I like that part when they're together and I would like to see more of it. So if you've always wanted to see more of the Doctor and the Master together, that make that does make it intriguing because it makes um and I it's I say it's a standard unit story, but it's still a very enjoyable standard unit story. It's you, the prologue sets up things that happen later, and by the time those things came back around, I was like, oh yeah. Because I was so, in, I, w- I was having so much fun reading the Earthbound stuff with Unit, with the Doctor, with Master, that I had forgotten about this alien stuff that happened in the prequel and mm-hmm. the, in the uh, prologue. Prologue. So th- it's 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 a compliment and not quite doing it justice to say it's a standard Unit story because it's probably a little higher above than most things we got on television. Yeah. Uh, also, just in the scale that they could do things with. Um, Joe is great in it. Unfortunately, she doesn't have a lot to do. Um, she does get a nice bit where she ends up taking off on her own. And the doctor's like, yep, yeah, I thought she might do that. <laughs> and the brig's like, well, 
Let's go send her help. <laughs> Instead of trying to reprimand her, Mike wants to uh, give her her stripes or whatever and get, get her in trouble. And Briggs like, no, go help her. <laughs> go give her support. <laughs> um, and Mike is kind of the bigger unit heavy in this than anybody else. Uh, it could have used a bit more Benton. Uh, the Brig is utilized, but probably not as well as... Uh, as he could, he's kind of more in the background doing things. Um, but that's even that—that's that, almost more. That's even for that era. For, it's for, it's, for it's for not the, uncommon when, yeah. when the master's in there. That really was kind of the brig. You know, for the first season, it seems like we it was very brig heavy. Yeah. yeah of uh, I say first season of Pertwee's era, and, and then that second season, that's what it seemed like. Yeah. So this sounds like that's more in it, line. It's, with that. it's definitely more in line with that. Um, I don't. I do think this. No, there is a reference to the three doctors, so this takes place after that. Okay. Uh, I do remember that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else to say about it because it's. I want. Every, I want people to go out and read it because it was really well done. Um, yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything else really uh, without spoiling major things about it because there was. It got to that point where it's like two thirds of the way through, and they get to this big reveal of what's causing all of this and I'm like wow <laughs> that's impressive and then oh a nice reference and a, oh another nice reference and a wow and then then you get the Edwina reveal much later which was kind of almost almost an after I didn't see it coming but it was kind of an afterthought was that the uh, the part that Holly had said that yes um, I thought the because she talks about these books because she's a very hard-nosed businesswoman uh, she didn't used to be, but her dad was tough on her. So Big Cal, she's got to live up to being Big Cal, uh, her dad. And so he throws away all these books of fantastic stories he, he uh, she wrote. And I kind of thought to myself, oh, well, that kind of sounds like um, could be tied into that pro- uh, prologue part, but you never know. And I didn't really think much of it. I thought it was just character building because she's a strong character. She's a good character. She's a character. Uh, one of those tough characters that missing fingers because she's worked on oil rigs and rah, rah, rah. She's tough and go get them in business and then begins to doubt herself. And she has a great character progression throughout the whole thing. Uh, it almost feels like they don't tie up the merman, the hot other governmental agency, quite enough. Because um, apparently they all just destroy them all. <laughs> Stop it. I... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's some great ideas in it, and I highly recommend anybody reading it. Well, very good. Yeah, right. well, that's I'm, my I'm, review. Maybe I'll give that a try then. All right. Well, and and for being 365 pages, it really it moves, moves along. Yeah, okay. because um, well, at one point or several, quite a few points, you're constantly shifting, even in chapters, through three different places. So you're where the doctor is, you're where Joe is, um, and there for a while it's only two, but before that, uh, where Edwina is, and so it it jumps around enough, even in the chapters, that doesn't drag. Hmm. Trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's pretty much high recommendations. I think I gave it four stars on uh, Goodreads, Goodreads. which is, I think, probably... I don't know if it's the highest, but it should be the highest of any of the Who books I've read. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think I even liked it better than Touched by an Angel. All right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's no shot at level, but of course. Ah, yes. 
Shot was kind of the five star benchmark. You can't top that. Partially, I think that's just because it was a TV adaptation that we never got. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> when you're doing an original story, I don't think you can do much better that's than Harvest right. of Time. Well, and the novel also does a better job of, of explaining the story than any of the incarnations yeah. of Shot. Yeah, the existing ones. Anyway. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, you have a. Uh, I have a synopsis for Resurrection Castle. Starfall, a world on the edge where crooks and smugglers hide in the gloomy shadows and modern technology fuses to work. And that includes the TARDIS. The pioneers who used to be drawn by the hopes of making a fortune from the mines can uh, can find easier pickings elsewhere. But they still come for the romance of it, or in the hope of finding the lost treasure of Hamlet Glint. Scourge of the spaceways, privateer, and adventurer, bandit. Will the TARDIS ever work again? Is Glint's lost treasure waiting to be found? And does the fabled resurrection casket, the key to eternal life, really exist? With the help of new friends and and facing terrifying enemies, the Doctor and Rose aim to find out. That's it. All right, I'm gonna give this a, but this is this is by no means a bad thing. I'm gonna give this a dun dun dun, uh, and the reason being is because the 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 story builds and it ends up going somewhere that I'm glad it went and that it and, and I'm also going to be very very careful not to spoil the big reveal for the end of this book because or the end of this story because it it really it happens a little earlier than I even expected, but. Because it's such a enormous, and, and, and I don't want to think, I don't want to undersell that that you couldn't figure this out, but I didn't, uh, and it, it, I I thought I knew something about this resurrection casket that I didn't, and it, <laughs> and it, and it becomes really kind of the epic point of the, of the story, and it was really really cool. So I'm going to try to stay away from spoiling that. The reason that I give this kind of a, a, a more subdued dun dun at the beginning is because as the story plays out, it's. Re- I think Alex kind of alluded to the fact that it has hints of Treasure Island. I think it's very heavy, heavy-handedly uh, Treasure Island. Um, as far as we have a pirate who lost, who's lost treasure, and his name is was Captain Glint, and in Treasure Planet was or Treasure Planet, well, that too. The Treasure <laughs> Island, it was uh, ca- uh, Captain Flint. Oh, <laughs> uh, we've got a we've got a young man named Jim, and in uh, <laughs> it's Jim Hawkins, and, and so, so obviously. Um, Justin Richards was, I think he was heavy-handedly using a lot of the Treasure Island lore and, and, a, and a lot of other pirate tales. Um, one thing that I find tough is I enjoy pirate stories. <laughs> you have to kind of like pirate stories for this yes. kind of thing to work. and I enjoy pirate stories to a point. But I think that pirate, the whole pirate genre, it's, it's a little overdone, but I think it's it's... It's so romanticized, but it mm-hmm. seems to be kind of encapsulated in just a certain type of story. Even with Pirates of the Caribbean, there's still echoes there's, of Treasure Island. There's only so many mean. stories you can tell with Pirates exactly. and other words. And, tri- and Treasure Island seems to always be that core story, go-to story. It's to the, get. It's the tentpole. Exactly. It's the tentpole for old pirate stories. So they try to romanticize the life, and, and, and they can never get outside this bubble of... Making it seem like so, I can see why Resurrection Casket does this as well, and it uses the tropes. I I, I love the use of the black uh, spot, which in this book they call it the black shadow, but it's essentially the same uh, thing. 
Um, the idea is when you get this, then you're destined for the curse or death, which is the typical pilot. Yeah. But in this, the embodiment of what comes for you is this monster, this dark monster called Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> and I absolutely love Kevin. And as, as, as I was alluding to earlier, when you read Kevin, the, the, the character of Kevin, it's very much in the vein of Hitchhiker's Guide. It's this mm. character. He, he really is, as he comes up, you know, he says, you know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, this is just kind of how it is. I, I, it's it's kind of my job. You know, it's just yeah. he's so very apologetic for having to do it, but very matter of fact. You know that okay, <laughs> it's just you know oh, that's the way next. it is. That's my. And what the book doesn't do is it doesn't do a good job of giving me more of what I, I wanted to know more about Kevin and where he was from and what uh, and where his character and it doesn't it just really scratches so the, much, yeah, yeah but it really only scratches the surface surface of the character um, but but he's he's such a wonderful wonderful character as well but the the the, the, the plot of the story is and I can't remember why or, or I can't remember what it was called that uh, causes the TARDIS to, to malfunction. But essentially, Rose and the, and the Doctor have sat down on this planet because they're, they're tard- the TARDIS isn't working anymore. And the idea of it is almost a uh, doldrums in space. Essentially, they're in this like uh, cavity of space where mechanics don't work. It's like a, he kind of describes it as a constant uh, electrical magnetic pulse. Uh-huh. That once you get in there, you essentially nothing electronic or, or, or technical can can work. You're stuck. And so, as they explore uh, this you know area, they, they they first end up at a tavern where these old pirates are telling <laughs> stories about Captain Glenn's uh, treasure. And uh, we've got the barmaid. Her name is Sally, and she essentially she's half cyborg, mm. or she's a cyborg. She's half human, half robot. But she, the half robot part works on steam, as does everything here. So that's where that steampunk uh, aspect comes in. Yeah, so it's a nice sense. way to have steampunk without having that kind of that fantasy reality where yeah. you know steampunk didn't exist in the Victorian area where it should have. It, it, when we the way we place it in in fantasy, yeah. but here it works in the sense that it's like you don't have to place it back in the, because it it it, it, it works for where it, is, it location, makes sense yeah. in this location. So. Uh, so that's kind. Of, and that was kind of a neat idea. I liked that concept, the whole doldrums idea. Well, it, it, it comes down to the fact that we've got this young man named Jim, who is this. You know, he's he's the boy that's excited, and he hangs out at this tavern because they tell him stories about pirating, and he wants to go off and do swashbuckling adventures and whatnot. And he lives with his uncle Bob, and his uncle Bob is very adamant about steering him away from the pirate life. He doesn't want Jim to get involved. He's he wants to keep him grounded at home and not let him run off and, and sail away. And uh, but Jim's kind of the one that's uh, set forth uh, the idea of uh, how they can get how Rose and the Doctor essentially can get out away from these doldrums. As I, I wish I could remember exactly what they're called. I think it started with an M, but uh, it's not as important though. Um, but. Throughout the course, they, they, uh, a man is murdered. Uh, basically, Kevin kills him, and somebody has uh, directed Kevin in order to kill him. Because uh. if you get this black shadow, this parchment with black, black shadow on it, essentially that's what the the, the curse comes to you, and, and you're, you're basically murdered by Kevin. And so the doctor starts to investigate to find out what's going on. Uh, uses a psychic paper to pretend to be an investigator. He goes off to the uh, m- uh, a man named McGavin. Uh, McGavin. Uh, McGavin. What was his name? McCavity. McCavity's uh, place. 
he finds out that he's kind of this uh, collector of antiquities, and he, in particular, those related to Captain Glint. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, it's known to everybody in this town that Bob is also a huge collector of Captain Glint. But McCavity... So you're a bit tied up. Why is my... so, <laughs> well, I don't know where that came from. McCavity Sorry. sort of, uh, uh, you know plays off Bob as, as a collector who has a lot of fake items. He believes that everything that he has is fake. And But McCavity, it, you know, that's kind of his lust is to go find Clint's treasure. He wants to, uh, to yeah. uh, locate that. Bob wants nothing to do with Glint's treasure, but has a lot of these artifacts <laughs> that, that he <laughs> says are Glint, or other people say are, are uh, Glint's feather. Anyway, it comes down to it. The Doctor and Rose uh, decide they're going to charter a boat to find Glint's uh, ship. Uh, because the, the the secret to get them out of there is 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 by getting away from this area. Well, the idea is to bring the TARDIS with them, and while the TARDIS repairs, they can kind of un, uh, you know solve uh, this mystery as to why these pe- there's actually more people that are dying in connection to those who know something or want to know something or claim to know something about Clint's <laughs> treasure. And so they decide that they're they're going to hire a crew of roughnecks, <laughs> which all end up being robots because Clint's Clint's crew was actually all robots. Huh. Um, so they hire a bunch of robots, which you kind of, if you know the Treasure Island story, you know where this is kind of going. <laughs> um, but uh, giving some things away, you come to find out that, that Sally's really kind of the Long John Silver of this story. Oh, okay. That uh, she is the one that has kind of uh, convinced the doctor to, or well, the doctor goes to McCavity because being the, oh, I, I guess I should backtrack one moment because there is this really clever use of the black um, Shadow. The Doctor at one point uh, Kevin comes to him and is going to uh, you know, basically say, I'm sorry, I have to do this. You've been <laughs> you have the curse. It's my job. And he realizes that it's been given to him and the way he gets out of it is he asks him he says, well, did whoever sent you, did they tell you my name? And he says, yes. And he says, well, that's not possible because I, I never use my name. So he cleverly gets out of it because uh, he convinces Kevin that he doesn't. He's not, he, he's he can't not be he the is. same guy that they sent him to uh, to kill because he doesn't have a name. He just goes by the doctor. <laughs> and, this, and Kevin did not have the doctor as a name you know, because he's been using John Smith around uh. town. So um, that, that was kind of a neat, clever way. But the, uh, unfortunately, the story ends up with Kevin ending up Chasing the doctor again throughout, <laughs> and and getting the you know him sicked on him uh, throughout. I'm trying to be careful not to go up and and ruin too much stuff. But anyway, it's they go off on this seafaring jury. Bob doesn't want Jim to go. Jim decides to stow away. <laughs> so you get the stowaway aspect of it. Um, Rose, Rose, the doctor. Well, I'd say Rose and Jim kind of embody the uh, the spirit of Jim Hawkins from the book mm-hmm. uh, Treasure Island. Uh, that they're kind of sharing that role because Rose is the one that discovers she's kind of befriends Sally and then shockingly discovers that, that there, there's, there's a betrayal of friendship there because uh-huh. Sally is actually uh, going to overthrow uh, the crew so that they can find Glenn's treasure <laughs> and, or find, well, yes, Glenn's treasure which uh, is revealed to be this resurrection casket. And the story behind the resurrection casket is uh, that the the idea was that Glenn had this casket that you could basically at the time of death or nearing death you could get in this casket and be rejuvenated or renewed and and basically escape death 
so hence the resurrection casket. You could you could come back from the dead, so to speak. It's ironic that that's in there yeah. because in my book, one of the things that they deal with is the infinite cocoon, and essentially does the same thing. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Serendipity. <that way. laughs> it's very much wow. uh, that same idea. Wow. So anyway, through the course of the, the story, we find out that uh, is, McCavity is not really uh, who he says he is, that he's actually... Uh, Holly said something about... Uh, what's his, his wife's name? Uh, she said it in a... I can't remember her name. Let me pull it up real quick. Unfortunately, his husband... Or his husband. His wife ran off with... A, a captain, which is presumed was Captain Glint. And so it, McCavity ends up killing her in a jealous rage, but regrets that and uh, feels bad. And the doctor sort of pieces this together as it goes along. Um, he said that uh, uh, Holly kind of made it sound like uh, she was in the casket, which I didn't get the impression she was in the casket. I was in the impression that she she was in the... I think that McCavity had brought something along with him, and nobody knew what it was. And then it's revealed that it's his dead wife. Because the idea is McCavity is going to find this treasure so that he can put his wife in the resurrection casket to bring her back. The idea is that that Glint's in there right now because... Uh. He was he never was seen again, and they and, never opened. Yeah, and nobody ever opened the casket, so he was not able to come back. So I got the impression that he had brought her along, so that and that's the other thing is McCavity believes the doctor's the only one that can make the resurrection casket work. So he's very adamant uh, in threatening the doctor, making sure that he can you know that he that he'll do this for him. And the doctor keeps telling him, I it doesn't work that way. I can't do anything. It's it's mm-hmm. not you know uh, it's not something that's in my power. Uh, and he's also trying to explain, you know, he doesn't know how this casket works. It could be like DNA rejuvenation. He names off a you know, dozen other things. But the funny thing is the mystery of this cabinet, cabinet is never really addressed. I mean, resolved. It, oh. It's addressed that the doctor doesn't quite understand the science behind it. and that, But he believes there's a science behind it. But there's still this mysticism that surrounds the casket that I, we never get really an answer for. So that's kind of un, unsatisfied as well. But anyway... That's the idea. Is that, that that's the reason McCavity is going to wants to find Glint's treasure because he wants this casket. Essentially, um, there's this wonderful uh, um, exchange again between Kevin and the Doctor because we find out that McCavity is the one that has the power over Kevin. He has a locket that uh, allows him to that basically makes Kevin be his servant, and so he's oh. the one that has been. Uh, knocking off these people that either they have clues to the treasure or they have uh, fake treasure or and essentially it's because he doesn't want anybody else to have it uh. and so which is a payoff for for Bob in my opinion because Bob because he acts you know he it's for all intents and purposes he he's doesn't want he's not yeah. interested to the treasure he's not a threat to cavity so that uh. kind of works out as well um what else? Yeah, I, overall, it's a it's a it's a pretty good book. Um, I'm not huge into pirate stories, but I really enjoy Treasure Island. So this one works enough on that level. But I really kind of you felt get a Doctor Who Treasure Island. I kind of felt like uh, the author was really cheating a bit until we get about uh, two thirds into the book. 
to the big done. And it, yeah, and it really changes uh, it, uh, kind of its whole direction and and pace and whatnot, and doesn't end up being the Treasure Island, you know, ending. So I, I appreciate the fact that he that, oh, that he just at least changes it. Yeah, he changes it up. He goes a new direction. He gives us a bit of a surprise as what the casket is and what it does. Again, I don't want to give that away because that's what you're really reading for. So, so if you read this, I highly recommend that you, you get there because it's it's completely worth it. Um, I think Rose is the interesting part of this is that she is very underused, and I felt <laughs> like she's written as damsel in distress. She's kind of a reason for the Doctor to have to do things, even though she's the one that kind of finds out what's going on here and that the that the, the Mutiny is afoot and whatnot. Uh, um, unfortunately, there's just not a lot for Rose to do in this book, which is ironic because you said the same thing about <laughs> Joe. There's not a lot for Joe to do, or who doesn't do a lot in it. So I felt like Rose was a bit underused, um, especially I think early. This is a pretty early Tenth Doctor novel, so yeah, um, it's interesting that your anchor from the series before <laughs> isn't there. Isn't there much in this one? But I really, really enjoy the way the Doctor's written. And the doctor does he feel like the tenth he doctor? does feel like the tenth doctor. In fact, everything he says and does is very in the vein of the tenth doctor. So Justin Richards really does a good job of capturing the essence of David Tennant's doctor, because it's not just it wasn't just even ten that I saw. It was Tennant doing ten as what yeah. I, could, I could imagine as I as I read it. So uh, that was pretty cool. Um, I can't say enough about Kevin. He was so cool. I just wish there was more. I wish there, they had given us more of a, of a backstory or, or give him his own book. And and I will give you this much that it uh, at the end of the book, and this this tells you that Jim survives, is Jim and Kevin end up teaming up. And Jim oh. ends up giving Kevin his freedom, essentially. And that's why they become friends. So that, nice. that they, there's a nice conclusion for Kevin's story. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wanted more about where he comes from. Hmm. Um. I can't. I don't. I can't say much more in that area because it, it, it's it's really hard talking around this because there's this wonderful reveal. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very important plot point that you very, don't want to reveal, and it re- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why my review was so short. It, well, it, come, it came mine, halfway through the book. <laughs> mine's going to come in very short as well. Um, although mine, mine wasn't halfway through, but I, I, the big reveal is at the end. But but there's enough of the build up to it that if I start if if I get into it, it, it it'll telegraph what yes. ends up coming that that becomes a big surprise. So uh, what else can I say? Uh, the robots are are very well realized. There's there's several different one, and they really just feel like this cut men group of pirates. Hmm. Um, the cool thing is is they are all they're basically they all run on steam because they've been uh, basically decommissioned and living. In this, this well, place exist, where the tavern though, is, yeah. where these doldrums are, and without the steam power, they can't exist. But as they move away from this, oh, uh, do their parts start coming they, back? They do. They start becoming, and they, that's in fact they kind of uh, Sally's kind of laying in wait until they get to a point where they're far enough away from these space doldrums that they can all become because she needs uh. them to be fully powerful, and so that's they, they can be powerful enough to overthrow the ship and end up. Uh, Capturing Glint for treasure for themselves, or finding Glint is kind of the impression you get is that they kind of know about this casket and they're looking uh. to find Glint. Uh, either because he decommissioned them, because there's a lot of people in the lore of this story believe that Glint had completely killed off his crew, mm. uh, but he hadn't. They had just been lost essentially and decommissioned. Huh. <laughs> um, so there's that, and that so. 
the there's there's a, one of the robots. I think his name was Elvis. <laughs> um, <laughs> they All have right. some they have some great little kind of comical bad guy follies throughout mm. throughout the book, which I thought were interesting. Um, some of them have terrible weak points, though. One of them, the weak point is because his neck is uh, so thin and small that they use that at a point where Holly alluded to where they were uh, flinging the billiard balls, and and I think it was Jim was asking which color. You know, oh, yeah. I was the same way. I was like, does it matter what color? Just <laughs> throw the billiard balls. Well, they target one of the, the robots, throw, the one that comes through because it's a weak point and it snaps his head Aww. off. So um, there's that. Um, I feel like I'm trying to stretch here, but I don't know what else to say without uh, giving away, again, the big reveal. Um, the casket ends up being a very cool device. Um, they're Sally's vicious. I mean, she really she goes from this like kind of just barmaid to this vicious cutthroat. In fact, her I think her name was like that was another thing is that the, the names that they were using when they were hired. To mm. were commissioned for this mm-hmm. trip to find Clint's treasure are very similar to what their names are. So when it's revealed <laughs> who they are, and, and another thing that I thought was cool was going back is Jim has a lot of knowledge of this crew and Glint because his his uncle being a huge collector, he has all these different action figures and all these action <laughs> figures. He knows the the background and history, and his uh, and Bob has told him the stories of, of Captain Glenn, and so he has all this information. So it's you you already get uh, kind of the backstory of the pirate through their discussions and and, and uh, talk through and Jim. So, so that was set up real nice. So when it's revealed who they are, you know that this nice. is who they are. And so um, I wish I could remember some of the names how they they worked out. Um, but Sally specifically, she ends up she her she's like Salvo something. Salvo so, seven fifty. That's it, Salvo seven fifty. And obviously they were they allude to the fact how uh, vicious Salvo seven fifty was. So when you find out that Sally is Salvo seven fifty, oh. it's like whoa, uh oh. <laughs> when she comes to full power, she's going to be. Um, and it's a bit morbid because you find out that as she went back in order to, she was basically injured and falling apart uh, when she left. Uh, Glint, or when Glint decommissioned them, and so she actually used human parts to supplement the pieces oh. that were yeah. So that's why she's cyborg. <laughs> so it's not it, as you start to you begin to think it was a human that ended up having to use robot parts. It was it's the, the other, other way around. Wow. So that makes the, that that character even Reverse more Cyberman uh, vicious. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, unfortunately, or fortunately for our heroes, that becomes a weakness. For uh, her it as would, well. yeah. So. Uh, in fact, necessary in the doldrums, but outside. <laughs> yes. Well, Rose being uh, obviously uh, damsel in distress is is being held by Sally at one point, and in order to get away from her, she slams her foot down on her real on Sally's real foot. So <laughs> Sally, who doesn't has never really experienced pain, <laughs> experiences pain, and that's how Rose gets away from her. So, so I, I I can't imagine did they mention that Rose changed outfits into some big frilly dress? You know, they didn't. I wonder. They didn't. No. Uh, again, the, Rose was really underplayed. There's just not a... I don't remember a lot of character building with Rose. There uh, uh, there was the befriending of Sally, the, the betrayal. She's captured and used as, as hostage there. So it just really... It, I don't know. She was just... Hmm. that That's my biggest complaint. Um... There, there is a moment where 
they're getting ready to – I think they were la- – they're going to launch – they had basically got Sally into like a, a – uh, she must have been in a uh, decompression chamber or something. Oh, and, and yeah. Rose has the opportunity to basically launch her into space and do away with her. But she has sympathy for her. So you get kind of this moment of uh, – does her in, but <laughs> it doesn't do her in. But it, that's that was it ends up being a mistake. But yeah, it, you, I, you kind of see. But it's it's, it's a yeah, it's a companion uh, trope almost. Right, right. Uh, the ship the ship was called the Starfall, um, which rings a oh, bell. So the ship is Starfall. Yeah, the, not think, the world. Oh no, the world is Starfall. Starfall is where yeah, that's where they end up getting. That's stuck. the doldrums. The, the ship was the Starfall is the doldrums. Is the doldrums okay. or in the doldrums? Yeah. Um. No, what was the ship's name? Uh, because the the ship made me think that the it had a connection to uh, Treasure Island now, and I, I can't remember why it made me think that. Maybe I was thinking if I would jog my memory of the name of the ship, that would. It doesn't matter. Tardis doesn't say the I've name of the ship. Enough, I've brought enough. I've brought enough how how they parallel. But yeah, I, I I recommend this story. It was it was a fun read. This is the first tenth Doctor story I've read. I think because uh, only human was did a ninth Doctor this? story. No, well the other one we read forever. Oh, Autumn. we did read forever. Oh, that's right. And that had Martha. And now that I think about it, Martha's your... story had tenth Doctor. Well, that's true. Well, well yeah, not so. as much. No, not as much. <laughs> well, I don't know the. The the in between stories were well, her, her telling true. the stories that's true. were, that's were the big so yeah I guess I have I forgot about so this would be your first ten in row ten story yeah maybe that's why I think, maybe that's because it was so ten heavy well, yeah, Rose <laughs> that's was why such I a... felt like but I, I would recommend this one um, I thought it was much better than Forever Harvest now that I, I think about Forever it and I gave, or Forever Autumn and I gave that one you gave that one a really high review reviews so um, okay so that gives me kind of, better than the story of Martha though. <laughs> Better than Only Human? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was better than, than Only Human. Okay. Although Rose, I thought, was used a lot better in Only Human. But uh, uh, Yeah, it was Jack that was disused in Only yeah, Human. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, I can't say much more about it other than I, 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 it's, it's a recommended reading. It is, it's, it's, it is a lot of fun. It's just It was one of those things where I, I, when I started reading it, I kept seeing the parallels to Treasure Island. I couldn't get out of that... Wow, this just feels like it's he's, he's heavily using too much of yeah. the Treasure Island trope and then and, and the ideas from that. Um, but as we get away from Starfall and we build on that, then that that kind of something Buccaneer, I think, was the name of the ship hmm. that's coming to to mind, which I think was similar to Flint ship in. Oh, I won't ever be able to find it in the book this fast. <laughs> Never mind. Just read it and then. Email me and let me know what the name <laughs> of the ship was because I can't remember now. Not Buccaneer. What was it? Doesn't matter. Anyway, so that's my review. And this is going to be a short show. This it week. is. Well, there's lots of uh, galley <laughs> there updates to galley go updates, listen to. So make sure you go do those. Um, and that reminds me, I've got to go um, rate uh, this book on Goodreads. I'll have to give this a shot. I didn't know you could... Uh, Set a goal on good, Goodreads. I need to do that. Yeah, uh, let me check. I know that I remember. That's how I signed up for Goodreads because I saw that they were doing it. I didn't set a goal for myself, but I. But that's how I ended up. Uh, discovering the site, I think. Brittany and Chrissy were all doing it. Huh. Um. Yeah, there's a signed. 2014 reading challenge. You scroll down on the on your homepage. Well, see, now I've got the app, so I. 
Kind of I have the app there. too. I don't know where, where it is there either. Although I can't seem to find the app. Oh, because it's in my books section here. Anyway, yeah, so that's cool. I, I'm Maybe I'll set up a uh, goal and see how, how I do this year as well. Although I'm already a month in and I haven't read much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. All right, well, do you happen to have the uh, schedule handy so we can do the uh, Sean part this week? Yes, I do. As we pause as I pull it up. <laughs> uh, next week, or, or I guess Friday for Friday Night Who, that's what we do first, uh, we're doing Earthshock. Kind of fitting that we did six this past week and seven the week before that. We're kind of doing a seven, six, five countdown. Oh, we really are. It wasn't intentional. I don't think so, because we're not doing four the week after that. Right, so. right, right. <laughs> Don't get too many ideas. <laughs> um, but starring several people who were at Galley, uh, Adric mm-hmm. and Matthew Waterhouse, Math- um, David Banks, yep. right? The cyber leader. Cyber leader. Uh, so that'll be Friday night, who? Midnight Central Time. Central Standard Time. And then Sean and Mel will be back, and I'm sure Mel will be on too to talk about Galley, yep. uh, full blown Galley episode. Uh, they should be kind of touching on subjects that weren't in the updates. We're going to try to steer <laughs> them that way anyway, so that you don't have to listen to the stories twice unless they're just really that good. Yeah, and then we'll let you listen. To Which it. anything? A quick, a quick shout out to Michelle who oh, yes. guest starred yes. on the last several episodes of the Galley yeah. updates. Did good a great job. Her. Very good. Um, if you haven't picked it up yet, the following Friday Night Who will be the Moonbase, which just released on Tuesday. Uh, so you got two weeks to pick up the Moonbase. Um, and then the following week, we'll be doing the Moonbase along with the second in the f- last year's 50th anniversary ebooks, The Nameless City. That's right, I gotta get on that now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just finished reading this, and now we gotta move does on that to count? other things. Does that count towards one of my books read? It's a, it's a book. Alright, cool. They are split up individually on Goodreads. Well, then I have read more than I thought this year. Because <laughs> we read that first Ian Copper one. I, I've at least read two now. Two books this year. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll slodge through Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, wish I'd have, I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have got on that one. My intention was to read it at the same time you were. If you were, get sucked into it, you might yeah. be able to catch up. Well. Because <laughs> I only read it once a week. Now that I'm going to start watching the series, that's going to take up a lot of my time. So, Not as much as you think. Oh, well. There's only like ten episodes a season. Yeah, and it's, what, an hour long? So. Yeah. Ten hours at least. Well, I've got two seasons, though, so far. And three just came well, out on DVD, too. Right, so. which I'll get after that, so. That's 30 hours of television there. <laughs> yeah, but the up. Olympics are on, so there are no new episodes. Well, that's true. Me. That's true. I, I'm missing Arrow and I'm missing uh, Agents, of, Agents Shield of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all those good stuff. So, Community. All right, well, is that it on the schedule? That's it so all far. Right. Keep an eye on the website for further updates. I'll let Sean handle those things. Yep. All right, well, uh, safe trip back for them. And uh, if that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Keith. Cheers. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.